With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Buzz! 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 Welcome in to another edition of At The Buzzer. I am fired up for a reason you will become clear shortly. We are a Colorado Buffaloes podcast. Hosted by the Ralph Report, your friendly neighborhood news source. I am one of your co-hosts, Jack. Over there is the other one of our co-hosts, Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. And uh, part of the reason we're so fired up is because we also took a bye week. See, you had a bye week last week. We did as well. So um, we didn't talk to each other. I shut everything down. I was in a dark room for two weeks and emerged for this Cal game that happened this past Saturday on the 15th. I'm sure Sam did the same, and that gives us plenty of pent-up energy to talk about. Um, I mean, let's just say it: the next, the next seven and zero team in America. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I missed uh, the podcast you did with Chase about the hot board because I was yes. sick and I just I could not speak for like five days. Yeah, it was horrible. And then yeah. the next week, I thought during the bye week, what. Is there for us to talk about? There's nothing for us to talk about. Nothing I mean, was happening. <laughs> I probably could have done. I probably could have done five more hours on coaching candidates, but yeah, no, I but that's that. uh, I wouldn't have. So you would have had a solo episode. Um, yes. And what's the show without that, your vibes? There, there hasn't. Well, okay, so I did listen to the podcast. First time I've listened <laughs> in a long time. And you said that last episode with Chase was not at the buzzer, which I disagree with because I've done a podcast without you and it was still at the buzzer. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I mean, our name doesn't really matter. It's all under the Ralph Report banner. Yes. At the buzzer is also, what we want to be called. But. Also, you should, during football season, you and Chase should just do the podcast yourselves. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like I said, analysis. what is it without your he's, vibes, dude? We he's your very vibe. good at this. Yeah, Chase is a pro. He's, he's, he's the reason he's our most frequented guest. Um, and he, he knows his stuff. Glad he's, talking, he's still writing for the Action Network a little bit. Maybe I should be writing. I don't know if you've been following my weekly betting column, but uh, I am kicking ass this year. I have not been reading your articles. Did you read okay. my article today? No, no. you have not. Because no, I'm not. I'll, I'll make you look at it when we when we get to it. Okay. Because I'll, I'll bring up the stuff. Okay. Um, what are we doing today? We are talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's exciting times, finally, to be a Colorado Buffalo fan. Um, you know, the <laughs> season has been... A walk through the desert. It's been uh, horrendous. It's been terrible. We've talked about this week over week over week over week. Um, because of how bad it was, CU fired their head coach and their defensive coordinator. Um, and this game against Cal under new head coach, interim head coach, Mike Sanford, and under new defensive coordinator, Gerald Chapman, is our first chance to see what this supposedly renewed team had to offer. Um, and I guess... Let's just dig right into that game. I was, uh, you know, that this last Saturday, the 15th, was one of those Saturdays in my mind where uh, you're just reminded why you like the sport. Like, just across the board, um, all the games that happened this weekend, and I was at the CU Calgary, and I was just like, oh. God, you know, this is why you love it. it. It just made me romantic about the sport. It was just incredible. Yeah, I... Uh... So I, I I was up watching college football on Saturday because it was the best like schedule I can remember seeing mm-hmm. in terms of games. I was watching the Alabama Tennessee game, um, and then at halftime, well, I was watching the Utah or that 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 game, and I was following the CU score, and I was like, all right, seven to three at halftime. Like, I see Brian Howell saying uh, Thursday night football carried over to Boulder on Saturday. Um, I thought, I don't really see why this is worth watching. If it's close at the end, I'll watch it. And then I ended up watching the fourth quarter and came, like, I was very impressed with the, with the energy, let's say that, of seeing Yes. It. And then I rewatched the full game. And so I, I have seen it. Yes, you have. I saw the end of it live. I, I definitely was not invested emotionally in the game. Mm. Um, there was like a third and goal and I had to pee and I just like wasn't even thinking I just went to go pee oh my god <laughs> and like I didn't even <laughs> consider it and I was like wow I've really really checked out on this team yeah um, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> like I, I really didn't mean to do that <laughs> um so, yeah I, well... I, I have thoughts one in five, easy to check out on. Let, let's let's. I want to say the thing I forgot. I was I thought I was going to say at the very top, and I forgot. So let me say it at, at near the very top of the episode. Great news that Deion Smith was already walking around and hanging out after the game. Uh, I don't know if you saw that play. That was yeah. Shades of Tetra Thompson against UCLA his freshman year in 2014 or sophomore year. I don't remember that. Uh, just a really weird tackle, and he's just down on the ground for a while, carted off, ambulance, like that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Deion Smith was the same way where I was just thinking, oh, he's done. Like, that's – it was not pretty, but um, already walking and talking. 
Sounds like he's up in the air to even play next week. So yeah, um, I was about to say I looked up on this. I followed up on this too. Really good, really good news. He, it was. It seems. It seems like it was just a really scary thing for the time, but no, like lingering effects. It's not a two situation here. Um, you know, I guess I would feel better personally if uh, he didn't play next week. Just, just for me mm-hmm. to feel better. Um, but I, I'm so great to hear. It, basically, that he is. He's already good to go. Um, and he's not in a hospital still. Yeah, no, that, that great news all around. Okay, can I go on my rant now? The other thing I was going to say at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was at the game. So, harder for you to be emotionally invested in that game. Because I'm sure you watching is just like, oh, it's just two bad teams that are just bad. And, okay, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's not that fun. But, um, I was at the game, and I don't know how many other teams in the country at 0-5 sell out the goddamn stadium. 50,000 people, and there were actually 50,000 people. I was yeah, there. I saw it, it was actually full. And I don't know, after that, how many of those people stay at for an 0-5 team? How many of those people... Like, they, it was not just, like, family weekend, people talking to their parents in the crowd. Like, they were into the game. There was bullshit chants. There, were, there was, like, constant cheering, legit crowd effects on the false starts for mm. the outside. Like, what... I. Uh, I was I said this at the game, and uh, you know, like I said, this was one of those weekends that just made me feel romantic about the sport and how much I love it, and this is a huge part of it. But also, like, if you're a recruit who is at the game, or if you're a coach looking at the game, that is the ultimate sales pitch for CU, right? Like, if you're a high school senior and you're at that game, you're like, I don't even have to be that good. I don't even have to be mediocre, and they will love me if I'm not horrendous. Like, mm. I will get 50,000 people cheering for me if I'm not just catastrophically bad, right? If the coach isn't catastrophically bad, he's getting carried off his shoulder. It's like, that's literally all it takes. How is that not a great sales pitch? Like, just be fun, just be cool, and we love you. That's all it is. Like, that, it, it is mm-hmm. insane, the fan support that CU still has after 15 years of complete trash, really, on the field. Like, I am... You know, it's it, I just it was like, oh my god, how can you not want to coach here? Win six games, we're building statues for you. You're never eating for you're never paying for a meal again. Like, I don't know. It, it was just so fun to be there. I, I am so impressed with like the the fan turnout. Like I the students got shot on for so many years for not showing up. And whatever happens, like the last three years, the team is getting worse and worse and worse, and the fans are getting yep. more into it. Yeah. Like it, I don't I, know I don't what's going on. I don't get it either. I mean, we, so, I was I, I was talking with uh, Ghost of Marv on on Twitter who helped start the C unit. Um, oh, Ted Chalfin. <laughs> yes, friend of the friend of the program, obviously former Ralph Report contributor. We want his writing back, but like we were both there. We were both students in you know that early Mike McIntyre era, late Mike, you know that whole thing. Like we never got this. Like it took so long in 2016 to get anywhere near a sellout and we were good and so like mm-hmm. i don't i don't understand this and like 2017 still like there was a floor there that was higher than what we're seeing right now like the play in 2017 we were a better team in 2017 than we are right now and we never got close to this like on the student side mm-hmm. never got close to this i don't I, it is incredible to watch i don't i think it's you know i still haven't batted tweet something about this but i think it is something about like a covid knockback of just like people realize i think so 
that they miss it like when they couldn't have it um so we're just seeing all these people show out and i'm so glad it, it was just so fun to be in that that stadium yeah that was fantastic um did how was like the atmosphere as the game got started uh like as a kind of a slog I mean, atmosphere was, like I said, it was engaged yeah. uh, audience. Like, uh, I mean, if we're going into actual analysis now, CU's offense is still not good, um, per yeah. se. But I, I think uh, just the fact that it was close and that CU started off with an interception is probably was probably helped them get into it, right? First, first second play of the game was the interception. Um, and the Daniel Elias drop at the beginning of the game was just brutal. Oh my God, that hurt. Um, wide open. Oh, McCown would have started the game with Oof. a 75 yard touchdown and dropped it. Um, he, he made up for some of it, but it was just like, God yeah. damn it. Um, that would have absolutely blown the roof off. Um, and you know, and the other thing, I think people also responded to how much energy there was on the sidelines. Uh, I've been formulating this thought for a little bit and I'm going to run it past you live see what you think about it i i don't i am very clear here which is i guess going to be mean but i do not want mike sanford to get the permanent job at least not yet i think he has to win i don't think he's, he's still not even in my consideration set like i think cu has mm-hmm. to win more than a couple games on the stretch for me to think about him um but for now he's giving off to me like massive substitute teacher vibes of just yeah. like yeah 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 the kid, like the main teacher's sick. This guy comes in, he's just like, have fun, candy, who cares? Have fun, let's do it, let's watch a movie. Woo! And like everyone's like really responding to that. Like, hell yeah, let's have fun. Like all the, you know, it, it, it seems to me like it's probably not sustainable long-term, but the kids are obviously just having a, like an absolute blast playing for him. Because he kind of has the easiest job in the world is being like, I'm just going to do the opposite of whatever we're doing before. Yeah, I was about to say that like, I think he's been the foil to Darrell so far. Yeah. yeah. Of just, because Darrell, I mean, when, did we see him smile on the sideline? I So I, I have massive fights with a bunch of my friends about this because I really okay. don't care about how his behavior is on the sideline. It's like, to me... Darrell's yeah, sideline behavior is only a sticking point because we're bad. I don't think people care if Darrell yeah. does a smile if we're good, right? But well, I mean, he just looked. He didn't do anything. Yeah, if everyone's yeah. trying to see a little. Yeah, but that's you know that's he didn't do much. Yeah, but Mike Sanford, like he definitely is like quote unquote football guy. Like oh, he's yeah. into it. He's sprinting <laughs> down the sidelines. He loves this shit. <laughs> I mean, he like ran on the field to congratulate Cole Becker after like a thirty yard chip in. You're just like, okay, guy, yeah, like. Oh, yeah, he's he's bringing the juice. Um, and I have quote unquote sources. I don't really, but I have I have a few buddies who are in the rooftop portion of the stadium, um, uh, before the game started, which as you know is like right above the yeah, yeah, athletic yeah. complex, like the locker rooms. And he said, "Is you that where hear... the admin watches?" Yeah. Uh, well, no, they they watch from the loge box. Um. Mm, okay. But he, he said from the rooftop, you could hear Mike Sanford's speech in the locker room, like before the Damn. game. Like he was going after it. Um, oh wow! Okay. So like they were fired up, and I I don't know if you saw Matt McChesney's speech on Tuesday that he gave on pre- in practice. I saw he gave one. I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, he put it out on Twitter. I would recommend you watch it. I'm not a, you know I I go back and forth with Matt McChesney. I think he's a great uh, advocate for the university, but that's kind of where I want the involvement to stay. Like some people are like, mm. yeah, let's get him in as DL coach, and I'm like, well, hold on. <laughs> He's doing more good for us, 
getting high schoolers like talking to us about high, talking to high schoolers about us. But his speech, yeah. I would I would watch his speech. It was uh, you're ready to fight someone after that. Um, oh, okay. So <laughs> people, they, you know, definitely massive substitute teacher. Like this is our week off. Let's have fun vibes. And I think that you saw that. Like like the right like the team was going for it at all times. Like that mm-hmm. interception was celebrated with everyone going into the like end zone. People were freaking out after every play. The the I first interception or the Nico Reed one that didn't count. That was a fantastic play by Nico. Incredible I was play. Cool. And then one handed diving, basically. I mean, I I was getting pissed in the stadium. It seemed like every big play the CU had, and there was that same Owen McCown scramble touchdown. Yeah. I was they got caught back for stupid ineligible lineman downfield, which is one of those stupid boring penalties you're just like, okay, come on, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, cop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it just felt like every one of those plays, the refs would be like, just kidding, it didn't happen. And like, yeah, okay, so it, it was – so I, I did notice there was a good amount of plays that did happen, but not really. Like there was the scramble touchdown to Jordan Dyson you mentioned, mm-hmm. the interception by Nico Reed, and then the, the drop pass by Arias. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have sworn Cal also had like a pretty big play that didn't count. Um. Maybe there's yeah, a whole, there's uh, a touchdown that's called back for holding, but mm-hmm. holding can be real. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it appeared to me on the surface, seven to three at halftime, whatever. That it there was it was an uneventful game, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh no, that that, that was actually a pretty fine game. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what you're <clears> seeing <throat> is more Owen McCown until he was he was pulled due to semi injury, yeah. but like he is semi injury. You say. Well, if you talk, so Sanford after the game said he pulled on McCown because he was hurting, but he wanted to play, and Sanford thought a healthy JT Shroud would do better than a injured on McCown. Okay, uh, that's fair. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Um, we talk about JT Shroud in the end of the game a little bit, but yeah, we will. Like, I think McCown obviously has some juice as a freshman quarterback. There's, there's obvious, there's some good stuff there that I, I like to see. Um, and the same thing with Anthony Hankerson at running back. I think Anthony Hankerson is super fun to watch as a freshman running back. Like that dude. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, people have talked about the enemy comparisons. I don't know if I believe that necessarily. Not just in skill, but like running style. People have talked about where he just like keeps going with those weird tough yards. I definitely see a little bit of like Philip Lindsay. Like I don't care what you say. I am literally going full speed at this hole every single time. Like there is no hesitation. He is just like running as hard as he can in the middle of line. Um, I think that's super fun to watch. So I love that that freshman triumvirate of Jordan Tyson, Anthony Hankerson, or McCown. I think there's some good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, the offensive line. We haven't talked about this because it's been bad. But um, you know, at, like Gerald, Gerald, Jared Lichtenstein, Lichtenhand, yeah. Oh. Like 6'10", <laughs> 6'10", young guy is like pretty decent at left tackle. Like he's actually like the interior of the line is obviously the strength, but like he's doing not bad. There's something there, especially with his size. Like I can't say I noticed one way or the other, but that's fine. Uh, well, uh, one way or the other is fine. If he's if he's anonymous out there, as opposed to like, oh god, he's gonna get beat again. That's you're, yeah. you'll take that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so seven three at halftime, and I think Cal missed a field goal somewhere in there as well. Cal missed two field goals in there. Yeah, so you, so you had a touchdown call back, and Cal also had insanely good field position almost the whole game, including in the first half. Like they were starting every drive from the thirty or forty, because a walk on punter was just beaming these line drives, and they would get like mm-hmm. ten yards of return, twenty yards of return. 
Um, so the, I, I would say great job by the defense holding holding Cal down. And I, I was they, going to ask. Go ahead. Okay, so 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 the defense looks competent, bare minimum competent. Like they allowed a decent amount of plays, but it seems to me, from my perspective, that Cal their offense is not very good, and their strengths kind of fit. What? It's terrible. Okay, yeah, but and the the strengths they have, if they have any, kind of fit into CU's strengths on defense. Which is basically that they have their fucking six foot tall, two hundred forty pound running back just rowing running into the line, where we do actually have some relative strength on our defensive line. You could say that, um, but prior to this game, CU was giving up two hundred yards a game on the ground. But two hundred ninety yards of the game on the ground. Uh, I mean, most of that was on like trap plays and uh, like speed type of runs where these explosive running backs and receivers just have the edge and cut through whatever, um, like a hot knife through butter. Um, and this seemed more like, oh, I was going to use a food metaphor, but I think that's going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> they, Cal is not a fast team. Okay. They, yes, like, like the, on the, offense. The, they are pro style, like, see, pros you can, on offense. If if they're good enough to be a sledgehammer, see you can kind of stop the sledgehammer. They can't stop anything with quickness and speed. So let me. I'm gonna second. I'm gonna push back on that. We okay. had no proof that CU could stop anything. Period. This year before this game, CU yeah. literally had not stopped a single team all year. The closest we got was a half against TCU. Uh-huh. With a back with with Chandler Morris, and then that uh, quickly evaporated. Yeah, we gave um, them a Khalil Tate situation too. Accidentally discovering their better quarterback. That's exactly right. Um, so I don't, I don't want to minimize what CU did by saying like they, that Cal played to CU's strengths on defense. We had no, okay. no strength. CU had any strength on defense. <laughs> yeah, so like. The fact that what you just said is what is what we were saying prior to the year starting is like, well, we should be good front seven. But we didn't see yeah. that at all this year. And by week, new defensive coordinator, suddenly we see it. I agree with you. But that should still be celebrated. That's like this dude who has never called defense before in his life, Gerald Chapman, 34 years old, literally never been that coordinator at any level, somehow oh, wow. unlocked it, the ability to be like, oh, yeah, we do have good guys. Let's let them be good. And it's like, oh, wow. We are, it, it you know, we Jaden Ott is really good. He's a really good running back for Cal. He's he averaged six and a half yards of carry this year. He's already oh. over five hundred. Like he's really good. Um, and he got thirty five yards this year. Uh, this game, forty seven yards this game. Cal's a team had thirty five rushing yards this game. As mentioned before, that is two hundred fifty yards less than C has been given up on average all year. Like it is incredible the turnaround in two weeks that CU had up front. Um, and I th- and and just look at the TFLs, man. I don't know what CU was uh, averaging TFL-wise. I don't think it was that good uh, week over week. But just this game, what did CU have? Uh, close to 10 tackles for a loss and two sacks? Like, we were living in that backfield, yeah. dude. Suddenly, Josh Chandler-Semeto... Doesn't look like a disappointing transfer. Suddenly he looks like that team captain leading tackler that we all thought he was going to be. Nine tackles this game, 
five to three, three and a half tackles for loss, including a sack. Mm-hmm. He was but, fantastic. Right? Trevor Woods, I will talk about him later when we get to the fourth quarter specifically. Incredible yes, game. Right? Oh. Guy Thomas lived in the backfield all game, dude. Terrence Lang was a mammoth. That's exactly what we thought he was going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Okay, like, so this is the so my my issue is that I do think like CU had latent strengths like this team wasn't as bad as they've been playing right. Um, so my question was going to be, what is the new DC doing differently than what Chris Wilson was doing? Yeah, it's all kind of boring stuff. Um, a little more okay. of a three four alignment ish, um, where it's like Sammy and two big guys, but it's that's not necessarily true. Yeah. There's, it's a lot more linebacker changing things around. So he basically uh, made it less muddy and made it very easy. What would would have been maybe called the star position is now called the joker or whatever you call that position. And that's like Robert Barnes now. So Robert Barnes is no longer a middle linebacker. He is that weird position. And that helped a little bit. But also Aub- good. freshman Aubrey Smith was in there. And I really liked what I saw that guy. So he just made it easier on that second line to just kind of fly around. Um, like Quinn Perry is basically in the Rick Gamboa role now, which I think is good. It's just like you are in the middle of the field. You are going to destroy anyone who's in the middle of the field. Like that's your job. Um, so I think you just which simplify yeah. the, the linebackers' roles um, as well as some of the defensive linemen's roles so they can kind of just pin their ears back and go, which is – you know, whatever. Like people always say, fast and aggressive football, but like, see, you also blitz more than they had the previous five week combined in this game. Um, uh-huh. I, I don't know. People were just playing faster because they had less stuff to think about. I think that makes a lot of sense from what I saw, especially earlier because it looked like the linebackers in particular were kind of a disaster. Yeah. I don't know if I want to even use kind of. They were a disaster. Look at back at that Air Force game with Robert Barnes and how he was just abused on the option, like over and over yeah. and over yeah. again. Yeah, he kept get, he like other games too, he specifically him, he kept getting lost. Yeah, and um, not to like I guess we're singling him out, but it's like that's not necessarily yeah, I don't, I don't on want... him. Like that is obviously a scheme issue because this game that's it wasn't necessarily happening. Like mm-hmm. There was such a massive improvement. Like it, it was just so clear that the scheme was not fitting our players, and I think we made it easier for them to fit the players. Yeah, it turns out a simple scheme, I guess. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going with this, but I understand what you're saying. And so when you, so when you're like to me, I was just, when you're like, hey. Yeah, Cal should have done this because they were playing into their strengths, like playing into CU strengths. So, of course, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, before the season, I agree with you totally. That's exactly what I mm-hmm. thought this game might be. But, like, dude, we were seeing literally the worst defense in the country for the last five weeks. Like, really bad. Really, really bad. So, like, the fact that we are now where we should have been is huge. And, like, not necessarily just for this year because, you know, CU's season's over. But, like, for next year, just no, we can make a bowl. That's right. Um, that would be a Mike Sanford hire him immediately thing if CU made a bowl, obviously, but um, yeah, probably for good reason too. Uh, like just the fact that we can show that there is, in fact, like we don't have no talent, right? There is talent here that we can build on, and that that's what I saw on defense. So I don't, I don't want to keep going in on it, but yeah, okay. Oh. What, what 
Okay, so I just have a loose collection of notes. Okay. I wrote great trick play. Nice yeah. throw by Tyson. Double pass and the little jump pass too. He said his feet and went. Eh. He went hard. And Montana yeah. Lemoyne is Craig. Woo! That was a great catch. Um, and then it said, "Is Dion okay?" Yes, I think so. Yes, we covered that. Yes. And then I said, "Trout with some big trout with some big boy throws." Yes. Where, where do you want? What do you want to take a stab at? Let's do the shroud. Let's talk about shroud coming in as a backup, and like you said, making some big board throws. So you watch you watch some of the fourth <laughs> quarter drives then. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So new offensive coordinator too. So the offense looked a little bit different. Still not great, but a little different. Um. Yeah, there were three straight throws. Watching back that game in in the drive where CU I think scored their touchdown. That were like, oh, that's why JT Shroud was a high recruit. Like they were crazy. Um, and they weren't like it it wasn't crazy reads, but there was one JT Shroud rollout where he like was he whipped it to Daniel Arias 20 yards down the field. Daniel yeah. Arias just steps up. Do you remember that throw? Yeah, I remember and, like, that throw. That ball that was, was the one I thought of, like, it. God damn. Okay. Yeah, like that ball was going, man. And then the very next play, right? Simple throw, but we have not been able to do the simple shit this year. Like Mm-hmm. Grabs the ball, immediate screen pass throughout to Ramonius Craig, right? It's one of those screen passes where he doesn't have to wait and catch it. Like, he can move slightly up so his momentum's already going as he catches it. Got Ramonius Craig gets 10 tough yards, easy first down, right? Like, okay. Yeah, like that, that type of stuff we just don't do. Right, exactly. Three, four years. Exactly. Like, oh, look how easy that was. Pitch and catch, JT Stroud just goes whoop, and then he catches it and he goes, right? Get the ball to your best players. Simple. Haven't been able to do that. And then the next one to Lemonius Craig is the one I'm like, that is an NFL throw. Zone coverage, Lemonius Craig, classic post route, your your Madden 05, old X bullet pass. Um, oh, yeah. 20 yards downfield. In between three zone players, Lemonius Craig finds the zone, and JT Shroud throws an absolute bullet, right? Like Montana, catch, Montana catches that and goes two yards back because of how hard that ball was. Do you remember that, that throw I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just a classic post, and he just whoa, and you're like, holy shit! If he can be that accurate all the time, which you know, there's a reading that see you. It's not because he's that accurate all the time, but uh, like, if he can do that, oh my god, like that is an incredible throw. Um, yeah, I, I, he, I, I, yeah. Is he only going to be a relief pitcher? Like, why? Why is he good off the bench and not good when he starts? Well, okay. We don't know. Like it, it, this, this game yeah. is so weird because it's like, oh, it's so obvious that the last five weeks there was just a disconnect with what our head coach wanted to do and what the players wanted to do. Like there's just mm-hmm. something that didn't work, and this game showed that you don't have to be a genius to make it easier for them to work together. So like, may, we'll see if if McCown starts this next week, depending on how banged up he is. But you know, I will say like, uh, okay, I don't want to be a hater. Because it's a true freshman quarterback. But everyone's really excited about him. I don't really get it. I think he's fine. I think that he's done some plays where I'm very impressed by it. Like there was a, like where he is fighting for yards and he's willing to take a hit. And like he stood in the, stood, um, like there was a play in the first half where he just got nailed as he threw a pass to Daniel Arias. Yeah. Um, I think that's where I got hurt, by the way. Oh, okay. And then the critique would be like, 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very tough throw, but he also underthrew Arias pretty bad, and it probably would have been a touchdown if it was not an underthrow. Um, but, like, I, I just kind of see, like, I don't really think he has great arm strength, and I don't think he's quite mobile enough to make it work. Like, he, he feels like a middle ground between what Lewis is good at and what Trout is good at, and I don't know if that's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's, I mean, for a true freshman, I, I'm really excited about what I'm seeing. Um, so, like, but I also, to your point, was excited about what I saw from Brendan Lewis. Um, I'm kind of upset we don't get to see a Carl Durellis Brendan Lewis. Um, we will when he transfers next year. That's right. So, so I, I, but like, like you said, people jump down Brendan Lewis's throat a lot, and I, I don't think Brendan Lewis is the best quarterback on this team anymore. Unfortunately, I think mm-hmm. we we're wrong about yeah, that. I, I was wrong on I that. Agree I'll, with that. I'll wear that shirt, but. Tell me this isn't a Brendan Lewis stat line. Print, oh. print, print the shirts. I was wrong about Brendan Lewis. Tell me this isn't a classic Carl Durrell B. Lewis stat line. 13 for 21, 61 percentage, completion percentage, 104 yards, uh, average yard of attempt, 2.8, zero TDs, one interception. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Right, exactly. So for some reason – McCown is getting a lot of breaks that Brendan Lewis didn't. And maybe it's just because of the age thing, right? I think freshman year Brendan Lewis, maybe he did get those breaks. But like he did not because he played one game. I think there's also I, I think McCown also chucks it downfield more. He might miss those throws, but he does throw it downfield a lot. I don't know. I, I we'll see. I think there is something there. I think this is a freshman you can build off of. Kind of like Sefo in 2013, where it's like, yeah, you there's definitely a lot of roughness around the edges, but we like what you're seeing. We like what we're seeing here. Yeah. I, I guess the issue is that I think, like, if you want to do a comparison of what Cepho is and what McCown is, is that Cepho is, what, like 40 pounds heavier? Um, yeah, McCown is skinny. Yeah, he's small, he's skinny, he's I think not, he's a good runner, though. Like, I, I think you're he, underrated. He's, he's a running. good runner. I, I think I am. He's he's fine. Like, he's good with mobility. I don't think he has great arms talent or arm accuracy, really. I, I, he just strikes me as someone who has a pretty low ceiling, but I guess we don't really get to choose if our promising freshman quarterback sticks around. Like even if he has low ceiling and just moves the chains a bit, I don't, I don't really see much. I think it depends on the hire, um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, and we have to also remember Cal is good at defense. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how the rest of the year looks, but. Like if there's one thing Cal can do, it's defend the pass. Um, then it's just been true under Justin Wilcox for six years. So, uh, it's, it's, he was not going up against like an Air Force or even a TCU um, in terms of pass defense. So, uh, and I, I once again want to shout out Montana Lamonius Craig. Eight catches, 120 yards, and one of the most insane touchdowns I've seen in Folsom Field in a long time. Okay, yeah. Can we? So let's do. You want to just get right into the end. Yes. Yes. Okay. So first of all, Samito Chandler. Thankfully, Chandler Samito, Cal yeah. Chandler Samito. Sorry. Thankfully, CU held tough and forced him to a field goal because I was thinking, damn, if only Chandler Samito wasn't five foot ten. I know. When he tried to, yeah, <laughs> he tried to, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Jack Plummer threw right over him, and he, yeah, he tried to grab it. Yeah, with a little tiny arm. <laughs> Uh, so thankfully we got we forced a field goal there. 
I like really cannot commend the defense enough for playing so well today. And yep. Nico Reed, fantastic, just so good. And Caleb um, Moore, I love, I still and love Caleb Moore. Moore. And I would be honest, I didn't say his name because I forgot it when I was trying to yeah, compliment these players. Yeah. Hey, um, also, where the where the hell did Cal find like a million receivers that are six five or taller? Every single I one feel of Cal's like, receivers are like massive. It's insane. Well, they've always had them. I guess. Yeah. Like that Sturdivant guy is so big. Yeah, I I was yeah he looks like Quentin Johnson, yeah. the TCU guy. Um, also, does every team we play have massive receivers? Uh, Oregon State does. USC does. I don't know about Oregon. Utah kinda. I mean Dalton Kincaid at tight end is huge. Uh-huh. Uh, Washington. All right. All right. No. Um, Okay, so ASU overtime, now. overtime, yes. So third and seven, Shrout drops back and just kind of chucks it to Montana Lamonius Craig on a wheel route. Um, yeah. and this is route, this, whatever. This is not a need to score scenario, right? This is a see you had the ball first, Cal's defending first. Yeah. So, so see you yeah, setting yeah, yeah. the pace here. Third and yeah. seven after a tough penalty that. Put CU back. I, I remember once again. I think there's a long gain that was nullified by a hold. Yeah, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so uh, Montana goes back. He jumps, and then as he's catching it, his back foot is coming up, and then he falls out of bounds. And then you see the replay, and his back foot is just barely touching when he appears to have both hands on the ball. And it's like the Bryce Bobo catch against Oregon. Yeah. Originally ruled incomplete. And then you see it. And then right as Bobo palmed that ball one-handed, his foot was still just barely touching. Uh, It it was literally like two frames. Like two frames where the ball was there and the foot was down. Yeah. Uh, Not a very common catch. No. You you don't see it very often. I mean, Montana was incredible all game. But yeah. Yes, he was incredible. Um, but I hate to just be the one kind of shitting on CU all day. Was that a catch? Dude, come on. Yes. I'm just asking. Yes, okay, absolutely. Brian Howell, he shared a video on Twitter from the other angle, and it doesn't look like Montana had control when he got both feet on it, or both hands on it. Guess how? Do you know how like little he, I care? About, about, I, know, I, I know. I know. This is why I'm you play asking. at home. This is why you play home games. It's so that is a catch, uh-huh. even if it isn't a catch. Okay. I think it was a catch, but even if it isn't, uh-huh. come on. Okay. He got two hands on it, and then as he's pulling it down, he kind of loses it and recatches it. Uh, but I'm not going to be a cop about that. I don't really care. It's a catch. Um, I will say, do you see my hand? Yes. Do you see my pinky? Yes. Okay, it looks bad, right? It looks bad. Sam is holding trying... his hand, and his pinky is jammed. No, it's not jammed. It got hyperextended because I was playing flag football because I joined a team, and I went to moss somebody. And then as I jumped up over them and was catching the ball, he, like, yanked down on my hands, uh, and then my finger bent back. Ouch. I dropped it. I dropped it because he fucking – I'm so upset. Um, okay, so Cal gets the ball. Apparently throw a touchdown pass in the back. And then Trevor Woods – Puts on his little superhero cape. One of the weirdest, yeah. <laughs> it flies out of nowhere and just kind of pops the ball out. 
Yeah. And it could have been picked off. It was just weird. It was the one of the weirdest plays I can remember seeing on the defense. It was like you said. So this was to tie it up in overtime. Cal is driving. We still want him. I think it's third and goal. Yes. Was it third and goal? I don't yeah. think it was third and goal yet. Okay. Well, it was it was it, it was not fourth. Um and one of the one of Cal's massive receivers finds himself wide open in the middle of the end zone after a long play. Jack Plummer throws a dime. And the guy was trying to do one of those cool things where you just stand still and you just catch the ball and you're like, ha, no one's around me. You know, like don't overthink it, you know, one of those yeah. cool deals. But he stood still so long and Jack Plummer lofted it so hard that Trevor Woods could just like, like you said, Superman out of the corner of the end zone. And the guy had the ball, but as he's bringing it in, Trevor Woods just like pops the ball with his fist exactly like it was like perfect time. It was so heroic. It was so weird and heroic. It was like incredible. And then I thought we could maybe catch it off the intercepted off the bounce, but didn't end up happening. It was just like, what a crazy weird pass breakup and great instincts from Trevor Woods. I've talked about him all year. Long time listeners know, I think he's the best player on the team. He Mm. played a great game today. Uh, on Saturday. Um, I mean, today was a great day for my breakout stars picks. I picked Trevor as the obvious pick. Everybody picked Trevor and the Montana. Uh, yeah, great day for you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was it, it was a weird save game saving play. Um, and then Cal's offense kind of sputtered until the fourth and goal, um, which I was terrified at because the. I mean, on the fourth and goal, Plummer hit the tight end right on the numbers. Like, that was uh-huh. a great pass. And then through a pass breakup or a drop or whatever, Cal ends up not converting. Game over. Field rush! Yeah. Yeah. We're, did you rush? Yeah. Slowly, but yes. When was that? Slowly? <laughs> did you see the video of the refs? Wait, no. Was, no, that was Tennessee. That was the Tennessee game. Uh... Uh, the refs in the Tennessee game, they were waiting in the game-winning field goal, and they did the thing. And then they both just looked at each other, and they started running to get off the field. <laughs> but the thing was is that they could, they should have run backwards to the tunnel, and instead they just kind of ran towards the middle of the field, and oh, they got no. kind of caught in the rush. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so funny to see those things. Uh, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so – I love that CU rushed the field after beating a three and two team. That's not very good. I think it's so funny that we just do this historically as a program. We rushed the field against Arizona that year. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Laying it off for you, please. Um, I mean, see, you should always rush the field. I think it would be fun tradition if see you rush the field even after they lost. Just make the opponent team yeah. scared about how fast our students are. Um, I loved it. I love that we did it. I don't understand why people could be upset about it. I guess if you're like, I, we used to rush and it mattered. It's like, dude, we are it still matters. in survival. It matters. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone who rushed that field is a better fan for Like, they like CU more after they did it, right? Like, that's really what we're going for here is, like, every student that was on that field, and I have a video of everyone just, like, it was crazy, like, you know, 3,000 students just bouncing up and down with all this, the football players. Like, all those people have better memories of the football team after this year. Like, absolutely give it to them after what they endured. They were full for TCU. They were full for um, UCLA. Like, students have done their job. Let them have as much fun as possible. Absolutely do it. And you have all those great videos of Mike Sanford kissing babies and shaking hands and, you know, a bunch of young kids got their autographs. Like, it's it's great. It's what college football is, man. Let's just be romantic. Like, it's this this part of why I love this weekend is like, yeah, Tennessee, undefeated Tennessee, number six Tennessee beat number three Alabama. They rushed the field, incredible environment, blasting Rocky Top. They carry the the goalposts and throw them in the river. Like, that's awesome, right? Perfect High game. stakes college football, incredible game. And at the same time, you have a massive group of people who are just as excited to be one and five and beat a three and three Cal team. Like that's so <laughs> cool. Like that's the cool part about it. That does not happen in other sports, maybe college basketball, but not other sports. Like NFL doesn't have that. Like that's, it's just the regionality and just the different fan bases. It, it, it's, I love that. Every time Russell field, every time. Okay. Moving forward. Yes. Is this me again? Am I going again? No, 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 no. I'm thinking. I'm trying to ask a question. We kind of already talked about Mike Sanford. I'm trying to wonder, where where do we go from here? Well, directly to Oregon State, which is a disgustingly, like, good team on both sides of the ball. Like, they're just so so solid. It's it's hard to imagine that's a win. Um, CU is a 22-point underdog in that game uh, in Corvallis. For reference, he was a 15-point underdog to Cal at home and went outright. So I guess not out of the realm of possibility. But, um, yeah, they are going to be tough. I don't think that's a win. I think CU realistically has one more win left on the schedule, and that is Arizona State at home for Hollow Weekend. Um, we'll see if that happens. I hope it happens. They are obviously rudderless, also interim coached. Um, they have pretty good talent, but not anything that's that scared of. And, you know, they're in the same boat. So – uh, it, it's really, I think that's the last good chance at a win. And then November is just going to be, yeah. I mean, it's a hell you watch that Utah USC game, see who plays both of those teams. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, plus Oregon plus Washington. Is that it? Yeah. And Washington uh, okay. might that'll... score a million points on CU. Um, uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, it you know it's so it, the rest of the year is this, but that's why you make the change before the bye week, right? You have a bye yeah. week winnable opponent. That's why you do that is to get something in. And now we know CU is not going defeated, so Washington is still the only Pac-12 team that's ever gone 0 12 in a season. We know 
that you know this everyone had fun that like regardless of whether or not the season the rest of the season is good october 15th was fun for everyone like fans had a good time that's one of the most fun games i've had in Folsom in, in like period it was just a fun average. It was great. And it was like one of those things that's going to keep you coming back, right? No matter what happens the rest yeah. of the year, games like that keep you coming back. Players needed that, absolutely needed that. Like we just spent a little bit shitting on some of these players, but like they had a tough year. Like obviously yeah. they don't want they don't want to do anything that they were like, they don't want to lose by 30, of course. So like I'm so glad that they got a win and got to have fun with the students and fans and like they needed that game man like you could see how much pent-up energy was just released so um that helps them stick around whatever happens the rest of the year and coaching wise like yeah i, I don't know mm-hmm. i don't think it's pretty the rest of the year but it doesn't matter in my opinion are we gonna be a vibes team are we on vibes watch we're on vibes watch absolutely we're on okay. vibes watch it cu is currently uh eighth in conference we're ahead of washington state technically in conference so uh <laughs> All right. You know, somehow turn that into it. if we somehow get two conference wins by beating ASU, hey man, we've done worse since the McIntyre years. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think the last football note I have is a, a coaching hot list update. Okay, what's that update? Is it Matt Rule? Because I don't want to talk about Matt Rule. No, it's not Matt Rule. He's not on my list. Um, Let's, yeah, let's go through some stock stuff. So we have a hot board released, releasing soon, like a text version. We did the podcast, as you mentioned, that got some pretty good hits. And I like what a lot of what Chase and I talked through. We talked to a bunch of names, some of which have taken themselves out of the running. So let's go through this really quick. My number one is still solidified as Bronco Mendenhall. That is my number one option. I Okay, so I listened to this podcast and I will have thoughts, actually. Bronco, you, you guys both sold me on Bronco. Yeah. Yeah, especially the part with him being kind of a like a weird dude. Yeah, he's a weirdo. <laughs> I think um, also also I I really I was thinking like I felt like I've said these thoughts before because I was listening to you guys do the podcast and I had my thoughts in my head. Yeah, so it's it's kind of weird to like because you always do this when you're listening to podcasts, but then to actually be able to contribute and say your thoughts, it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, we yeah um, we listen to the podcast and you're like talking with but, yourself with them and now you're like oh yeah, I can actually just do because it because when you said at first like I don't know if like him being Mormon will be a good thing in Boulder or something like that they're like it doesn't like it's I I I kind of put it in a bad way but that's kind of the gist of it my thought was no 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 I want the Polynesians <laughs> we need yeah them. right we need the, no we need exactly the big boys. and so yeah. I would actually like in the thing you said with um with McCartney is when there was like, however you feel about kind of religious conservative folks, it can work in Boulder. Right. Bill McCartney was not your average Boulder in terms of or Boulder resident in terms of views. And it didn't matter because he was a good citizen and he won games. Right. Yeah. Um, it was still controversial. There's still people that were upset, but like by and large, as long as you fit within the community, Regardless of your views, you are good. Um, and I think Bronco is a good fit. Um, but I guess before I go through my stock report, you listen to that whole podcast. Yeah. Give me your top three then. No, I will give you my thoughts as you go through the updates because I don't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, Bronco's the number one. Obviously, no change there. He was not. He's retired, right? So he's not playing these games week over week. Um, let's go over guys who I think have played themselves out of my list. I think Sean Lewis at Kent State, the head coach at Kent State, is no longer on my list. 
Young, obviously going to take lumps, but has lost to Miami of Ohio and Toledo in back-to-back weeks. And if you are a G5 coach trying to make the move, even if you are technically on a talent deficit, which they aren't for at least Miami of Ohio, you got to win those games, man. Like Kent State's going to have a pretty rough record this year because they play the hardest non-con and then they're losing these conference games. Can't oh, do I that. do know they're – yeah, their non-con is fucking – terrible right but that's supposed to prepare you to dump then beat on beat up on the mac and this yeah. is not a good year for the mac the mac is mm-hmm. not good this year so okay. um I'll, Sean I'll Lewis not being that. able to win there is is rough um marcus arroyo was never on my list but some people liked him as the unlv head coach nope mm-hmm. absolutely not got destroyed by air force at home no can do i've already seen that um troy calhoun off my list Get never, his name out of there. Yes, was never on on my my list, but definitely, of course, like the lazy national writers, like just get the guy who went down the road. Um, some other ones: Brent Brennan lost to Fresno State, the San Jose State head coach. Lost to Fresno State, one in two and four Fresno State. No can do. You are off my list. Mountain West is disgustingly bad this year. If you can't beat another bad Mountain West team, no. Um, Could we? Yes. Kurt Signetti, James Madison. A lot of people have talked about him, including Ryan Koningsberg, our friend Ryan Koningsberg at DMVR Buffs as like the uh-huh. guy, right? Recruited at Alabama program builder. AP top 25 ranked to James Madison. Yeah, uh, why would come to see you? For the money. But I, I also okay. am, I, there's a few big downsides there to me. I don't think he's a great fit. Number one, he's 63, 62. That's pretty old. He is a East Coast lifer. Um, yeah, that's so what I was thinking. pretty old to completely uproot. Um, I think he likes what he's doing in James Madison. James Madison just lost to Georgia Southern. Shout out Clay Helton. Um, so oh, wow, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it was a nail biter, but still, it's like, uh, no, they beat Nebraska too. Yes, they did. Higher wow. Clay Helton. Um, yeah, higher Clay Helton. Okay. Yeah. So, so some, some candidate stocks there. Now people who I think did great this week. And I'm going to tell you about a specific game that everyone needs to look at. For All right, let me look at the Old Dominion coach. box score. That's exactly hey, that's where I was going. You know, I love him. <laughs> Ricky Ronnie, Old Dominion, knocked off Coastal Carolina, heavy favorite Coastal Carolina, and ran them out their own building. 49 to 21, Old Dominion. Oh, and Old Dominion had 400 rushing yards. They just ran it down their goddamn throat. Ricky Ronnie doing what he do. If he finishes this game this year well, I he is absolutely shooting up the top of my list. Speaking of that, there is a game in November 26th, the last week of the season, that I'm calling the potential CU Coach Bowl, right? So there are two teams in the Sun Belt, I guess three if you count James Madison, that CU. I would um, also I would definitely count them in the Sun Bowl because they're in the Sun Belt. Okay, well, there you go. So Old Dominion, I don't think plays James Madison this year. But November 26th, two coaches you should keep an eye on for CU that are playing each other. Ricky Ronnie destroyed Coastal Carolina. If Old Dominion is already bowling at that point, he's going to be up there. The other one is the University of South Alabama. Yeah. Do you know their record this year? Uh, no, I should have cheated to find out first. What? They are 5-1 and one this year. Their one loss was a one-point game to UCLA at UCLA. And they lost that because oh. they missed a field goal. Yeah, is UCLA good? I cannot tell. Also, I think I lied to you. Okay. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't see any losses. No, they're five and one. They're five and one. Yes, UCLA is good this year. Okay. So South Alabama, coached by a guy named Kane Womack, 
put this guy in your list. Also super young. He is 35, I think, or 36. He was the defensive coordinator at Indiana back when Indiana had the miracle year in 2020, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember that year. Yeah. So, so Kane Womack's a defensive guy. Before Indiana, he was a South Alabama defensive coordinator for two years. He was at Eastern Illinois, and then he was a GA for Ole Miss under some of the Hugh Freeze era stuff. But young guy, program builder, defensive side of the ball. Watch out, November 26th, Old Dominion versus South Alabama. That is a potential CU coach matchup right there. Um, I do want to say that there's a coach on, on everyone's list that I don't want on there. Yeah. Ryan Walters, I don't want him. I agree. I had coach. I agree he did well. He He's still doing well. Yeah. Uh, number I, one defense I, in the country, but I, I, I agree. agree with you. I'd like to see him thrive somewhere else. I don't want him to like if we do. If you love him, set him free. Let him let him be somewhere else. Josh Heupel is doing great at Tennessee, Oklahoma. Let yeah. set him free. Yeah. So I'll get to that in a sec. But um, he did also well for himself this week. Illinois just demolished uh, Minnesota, especially on defense. Another guy that did well for himself this week is Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator at Baylor. Uh, he's going to be on everyone's list as well. They scored 40 points with a backup quarterback on the road in West Virginia. West Virginia isn't great, but still, 40 points good. is 40 no. points with a backup quarterback. Um, so, doing I, – cool. I, Yeah. Illinois' leading rusher has 1,000 yards right now. Yeah. They forced – dude, he ran the ball 41 times against Minnesota. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Jeff Grimes, another another big name that that did well for himself, would be totally fine with Jeff Grimes higher. I I don't I think I would be totally happy with that. Um, um, didn't see you say though that they're pretty much leaning towards just getting a head coach. They haven't said anything publicly about that, but reading between the lines of what he said he wanted, you get the sense they want someone who's done something like this before. Um. Some other names. Jeff Trailer continues to win at UTSA. That buyout is going to be an issue, but he's a winner. We like winners. Did Tom Herman uh, have a good day in the booth? <laughs> I did not watch Tom Herman. Uh, mm. uh, but yeah, there you go. Chris Peterson did. Um, if you want to talk about a stretch goal for CU, just bring you back Chris mm, Peterson. No, um, I don't want to. Re- I mean, I'll make the exception for Bronco because he's still young and apparently retired because, as you said, to re-fall in love with his wife after having an empty nest. That's hilarious. And there's well, and, there, and there's some rumors, too, that part of that was um, he retired after he basically found out that UVA's boosters weren't going to help him build new facilities at, at UVA. Oh. So he's okay. like, all right, well, if we're not going to be able to do that, that's some rumors on the UVA side because they are now – UVA is now very discontented because Tony Elliott as a hire has not worked out. So they're kind of like being like, oh, what do we have? Yeah, um, I would be- – I tend to believe these types of rumors because even if they're not true, they hint at something. Yeah, there's also a rumor that he retired because he wouldn't fire the defensive coordinator that they had, which was awful, but I don't – so there's, there's a bunch of stuff going around there. Um Okay. So, yeah, now that, that was my stock report. Trending way up is Ricky Ronnie and Kane Womack. Um, trending down is Sean Lewis. Um, holding steady, Bronco Mendenhall, Jeff Grimes, Jeff Trailer. Yeah. Any, any, now give me your top three. Uh, well, I can't, I can't remember everybody off the top of my head. I need you to write this article. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to dashboard. There you go. 
And I'm going to find the article. Yeah, you look at those names. Look at those okay. names. There's nine names. I took <laughs> I took Troy Calhoun off the name list. So oh, while we're while we're doing this, I'll vamp for time and talk about why I agree with you. Ryan Walters isn't the move. He's also 36, but he's also never been a head coach before. Um, and just what he's going to be walking into is like a two and ten team, three and nine team, whatever you want to say. A lot of talent leaving. Like Terrence Lang is leaving. He has to leave. Graduated. Chandler Cimento is leaving. Like it's going to be a full rebuild for CU, right? There's, you're going to have to get a lot of talent in right away. You're going to have to know what you want the culture to be right away. You're going to have to recruit to something right away. Um, and I think Ryan Walters is a really good coach, and I think he will be a really good head coach. But I don't think he's right for this job at this time. And I don't want to burn that alumni bridge now. He's obviously yeah. a super hot name, but like, if he comes in here and he's just not ready because he's young and – doesn't exactly know what he needs to recruit to and he goes two and ten three and nine four and eight and people are pissed it's like it's just not worth it it's it's much better to have him in the back of your of your head as an option later it say he goes from illinois to you know what like maybe jason candle gets a job and ryan walters takes over toledo or something like let him do that for a while and build that up less stress no alumni pressure like let him be himself for a little bit and know what he wants. And then he can be CU's pie in the sky alum candidate like Eric Bieniemy is now, right? Did we fuck up by having Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator? In 2012? I mean, obviously he was terrible, but like. Yes. Did, like, like did we, we yes. burned that bridge too early. And, and same with John Emery, man. I, I Obviously, John Emery was just not yeah. ready. Like, and thinking of John Emery, say, say he stayed in the NFL and with a tight ends coach or whatever, and you think of him like, oh, let's give him an OC gig at CU first or whatever. Like, yeah, there that whole staff was just like, you know, foisted on. It was it was a mess. That Jesus, that was a mess. And then they busted out, and their uniforms were the the twenty year anniversary of the national championship. Mm. Yeah, so much nostalgia on that team. Okay, you look um, at the dashboard. You saw your names. Give me a three. I don't know how to feel about Tom Herman. So. I so my issue is I tend to not want retreads, but sometimes they can be fine, especially if he's someone who's built programs in the past and he wasn't a good fit at Texas. So I think he's outside my top three, but he could be in. Um, Menden Hall would be my number one. I think you've sold me on Ricky Ronnie, and yeah. then you sold me previously on Jay Hill. Yeah, another huge win. They won by fifty, I think, against uh, a really okay. bad. Damn. Uh, uh, big sky team. They are number five uh, in the country. Um, but I, I think I, I, I like the idea not of someone who's an alum, but someone who works within the region of Colorado, um, who can build a program from the ground up with the limitations of Colorado. Basically, yep, yep I agree. And I don't necessarily want guys who are going to be great recruiters and be charismatic. Like, obviously, I would like that, but that's not a priority for me. And this is kind of what I said with Carl Durrell, is that I'm okay if the recruiting is underwhelming, if he coaches them up um, like a type of Bill Snyder type of vibe. Um, but that, that just didn't happen. The coaching up didn't happen. 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, Ricky Ronnie is going to be your CEO recruiter type. Like that dude is relentless recruiting. Um, but he's oh, also obviously okay. like a culture guy. Like he is. Oh, I see. You even included this in the thing. I won't say what, but yeah, he has some good recruits. So, um, yeah, fun fun times. There's your stock report. Um, Mendenhall stole my number one. Um, and like I said, November 26th, South Alabama, Old Dominion, CU Bowl. Um, let's really quickly pivot because I'm running out of time here. You're running out of time because we got basketball stuff left. That's what I'm saying. We got to pivot. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So CU also had an intra-squad scrimmage before the Cal game that Tapoil puts on every year. I was not able to make it, but through uh, our boy Ben Burrows, who did a nice recap on Twitter, who was at the scrimmage, and also our friend Adam Munster Tiger at Inside the Herd 247, who did a nice recap. We got to hear a little bit about it. Um, so it was it seemed like it was it started out as starters on backups, and then we switched up the teams a little bit. Um so your your starters look to be um KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva, Lawson Lovering, Nick Clifford, and I think Ethan Wright was the starters. Um, Ethan Wright, okay. Interesting. And let yeah, me, I, I let won't me write go this through, down. I won't go through the play by play, but it sounds like uh, everyone definitely took advantage of the strength and conditioning. Sounds like KJ Simpson's bigger and Lovering is bigger. Lovering is oh, still missing. Good. Oh, bunnies. Lovering's bigger? Yeah. Sounds like he's still missing some bunnies around the rim. Sounds like it was a tough shooting day for a lot of people. Um, KJ Simpson was the main offensive engine on both sides. Sounds like Javon Ruffin left with an injury, an ankle injury, mm. but wasn't, didn't seem serious. But he was also the best defender, perimeter defender, I guess, Ruffin was. Um, and sounds like Quincy Allen is more passive than people would have liked. And same with the Silva. So, um, oh, and Jalen Gabadon, the other transfer, um, was another good defender who so displayed leadership. But, um, yeah, overall, kind of what you expected of KJ Simpson being the engine, um, and some up and down performances across the board the rest of the way with, with some freshmen showing out, some freshmen not showing out. Okay, and we don't have very many freshmen. So which freshmen were those? Uh, well, I, I say freshman. I mean retro freshman, like Javon Ruffin and Quincy oh, Allen. Okay. Counting as freshmen. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, any 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 word on Hurlbert? Uh, played. Um, I think he was also not doing much. Okay. Yeah. There you go. It sounds like it's uh, gonna be a while. Okay. Um, I mean I, I like the the to know kind of the vague starting five. Um who am I missing? I'm missing someone. Fuck. Okay. I so Julian Hammond would drop to the bench. I was wondering if they would think about KJ and Hammond together as a starter. Chad said they will. Chad said they will play okay. them together. So okay. I don't know if they start together, but they will be playing together. And he loves Ethan tell. Wright. He loves Hammond, dude. You can tell Tap Oil loves Hammond. Yeah, no, I, I gathered that from what he said too. Um, and Ethan Wright is bigger. He's a better shooter, and he offers a lot on the defensive rebounding. Yeah, I think the main thing that Ethan Wright does is, compared to Hammond is rebound, um, and that's what yeah. Tad's going to go for. Is and <laughs> I mean, and he's he's bigger on defense and yeah, just generally more experienced. So yeah. I, that would make sense as a starter, like where he doesn't necessarily play starter minutes but like is a like a good role player with Hammond coming in um that that makes sense to me 
Lovering at center, I think that if he starts, that's a good sign for his development. If Tad trusts him to start. I mean, Tad loves him too. Um, yeah. And he, he said the same thing since Lovering's been here, just like he needs to stop getting – he he said to double his sword, he's so hard on himself, so he's really coachable. Like he wants to be better really bad, but he also wants that snowball into a second mistake, third mistake, because he, he, so, he so badly wants to like make up for it. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like he still needs to work around his on his touch around the rim, but definitely bigger. He said way bigger in the upper half, I think, um, which is good to hear. So I, I still think he can move well. Um, Lovering, I think, has a chance to be the best defensive center CU's had in a long, long time. So um that's what David Harrison off. Probably, yeah. Um, that's all I have on that scrimmage. Glad to hear that KJ can shoot a little better too. He sounds like he was popping off from the three point line. So, oh, um, good. this is his okay. Team. And then I have my piece. Uh, so I have the buffs in the NBA. I can, do yeah, I, I read this. Oh, did you see the list at the end? I did. Okay, um, I like that. The uh, it took me a while to find everybody, and there are some players who I could not find, like Trayshawn Fletcher. I think he got injured because he was playing in Belgium. Last year did well, but he's not playing right now. Mm-hmm. So I think he got hurt. Um, is, is Corey Higgins finally retired? Oh fuck! No, I just forgot him. No, he's the best. <laughs> he's probably the best. Uh, he's he's very good. He is up there for one of the best pro careers for a CU player. Period. Yeah. No, I I messed up. Uh, <laughs> he's. Literally like a starter on the best team in Europe. <laughs> like one of the five best teams. Um, and he's Yeah, he's doing very well. Yeah, 10 points a game is very good in Europe because like they don't play that much. Twenty Like the 22 minutes a game. Just to summarize um, your article here. McKinley Wright. No, okay. Okay. Yeah, so McKinley Wright. Thanks for, I got sidetracked real hard. Um, McKinley Wright is on a two-way contract with the Mavericks. Uh, that's good. We didn't know. Like, he was on kind of a preseason deal, and that means he was impressive enough. And the Mavericks are pretty good at developing undersized guards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say a lot of that was Rick Carlisle, but uh, he'll have the opportunity. Um, because, like, their, their guard rotation, besides Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie, who was also there, um, it's not very good. It's pretty much Frank Tilakina, Tyler Dorsey. Uh, and Tyler Facundo Dorsey. Who, they just signed Facundo Campazzo. Oh, uh, so that's a much worse player than McKinley Wright. I agree. I love Campazzo and he sucks. I agree. He should go back. To I Europe. think it's just um, that Real Madrid connection, right? Yeah. Luca and yeah. Facundo. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, and Tyler Dorsey has been playing in Turkey for a while, and he's actually become a pretty good player. So, but the rotation, like the the he could. McKinley could find a way. Uh, Dinwiddie's on the Mavericks. We know he could be a sixth man of the year contender. $100 million uh, man, huh? No, he's not a $100 million. Oh, I didn't make that very clear. Brunson had the $100 million deal. Oh, Dinwiddie's okay. on a three-year $34 million deal. Uh, second year of that. Okay. Um, so he's he's trying to stay healthy. He's trying to be consistent. Um, He'll play a lot on the ball as a pick and roll guy. Derek White is going to be a starter on the Celtics, at least Love for that. now. Love that. Um he might get squeezed a little bit because they brought in Malcolm Brogdon and they kind of play the same position. 
him, Smart, and Brogdon. But the Celtics are going to be playing a lot of small ball. So they'll probably have Derek White play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jabari Walker is on a standard contract with the Blazers. I've talked about this a lot, but he was so good at Summer League. Yeah. And in preseason, he's been really good. Like, the Blazers just love him. I don't understand how um, he dropped so far in the draft, but whatever. I understand it in the sense that he he's good at things people don't value. Um, well, which they is should basically, probably value them then, is what I would say. Yeah, I agree. I Like, people go for upside rather than people who are just going to be role players for 12 years. Like, I would love to draft Amir Johnson in the early second round of a draft. Um, Alec Burks is still around. Jariah Horn is hanging around. Oh, hell yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll probably be in the G League. He was uh, in but, town um, for a... Good uh, for him. I think the UCLA game, he came back. Yeah, okay, so that is... Okay, so Jariah, Alec, that's two. Jabari, Derek White, Spencer, and McKinley. Okay, so that's six NBA players this year, which is pretty good. Yeah, two coaches. Um, yeah, Jariah will probably be the only G-leaguer because the, the longtime G-leaguers have left the G-league, uh, mostly to, um, George King. He went to the NBL. Hell yeah. Uh, Deshaun Schwartz probably could have been in the G League, but he went to Turkey. Um, he's on the best team in Turkey, which is probably the second or third best league in the world. Andre Robertson is also, he's not going to be around. I think he's retiring. He's, um, he's earned it. Yeah. I mean, if you tear, tear your patella tendon, that that's like no one has ever come back from that injury. Like literally not one person. Um, but yeah, and then the two head coaches, Chauncey Billups and Jamal Mosley. Billups has uh, the Blazers, which will be kind of a tough coaching job because there's kind of a lot of pressure on him to win. Uh, and they're going to be, the Blazers are possibly selling the team, the owner, uh, Jody Allen. Yes. And so there, the there could be Paul. some. What? The no, no, no. Of sister. Sister of sister Paul. Of Paul. And he wrote it into his will that he, she would have to sell the team, and she just hasn't. Uh, so there's there's quite a lot of drama going on with the Blazers, especially with Neil O'Shea getting fired last year for some uh, basically office misconduct. And then he sued the team because they, they he thought that they used that to get out of his guaranteed contract. Okay, uh, It's messy. It's messy in Portland. Also, I don't know if the team really fits. I'm a Blazers fan, so I could go on about this. But Anthony Simons and Lillard is kind of a weird uh, backcourt, as much as I love both of them. It's kind of like Lillard and McCollum type in that sense that like you don't really know if it's going to be good. I don't know. Simons might become a sixth man for now until Lillard leaves. I don't really know. They should uh, start Jabari. They should not start Jabari. <laughs> they have Jeremy Grant. He's going to play the four. What? Oh, never mind. I know who Jeremy Grant is. I was thinking yeah, of yeah, yeah. the Notre Dame guy. Jerian Grant, his little yes. brother. No, Jerian Grant sucks. Um, and then Jamal Mosley is on the, the Magic head coach. That's kind of actually a fascinating job. That's that a weird has. team, man. That's a very weird team. Their guards, Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs, cannot shoot. Uh, and they're going to be both very fun. They're very fun. Jalen Suggs is not very good. He Ray needs Carroll to... can shoot. Well, I'll get to that. Um, so it's like Fultz, who's injured. 
Suggs, who needs a lot of development, and then Cole Anthony needs some like mental development because he kind of plays for his own stats in a kind of a bad way. And those are the guards. And then they have one of the most fascinating front courts in the NBA, which is the six foot ten playmaking triumvirate of Franz Wagner, Paulo Bancaro, and Wendell Carter, who they're all super skilled and they're just running pick and rolls for each other. Like they have two pick and roll point forwards on the team and Ben Caro and Wagner. And then Carter's a really good playmaker. Uh, so it'll just be really fascinating to see how Mosley works with those guys. Mm. Yes. Okay. That, that's, that was thorough. Uh, yeah. And then the last thing is that Evan Batty is playing in Bulgaria. Yes. And he he posted about Tab Boyle for National Coaches Day. I still love him. I, I love how much he too. and Tab Boyle love each other. He, yes. he did and that. And out. then, of course, Tab Boyle at the media conference just wax poetic about Evan Batty. When someone asked how do you replace him, he just goes, you can't. Like, <laughs> what a heartbreak, dude. Oh. Okay. Well, I need to edit this article because I just found a couple typos. Okay. Uh, last thing, Ken Palm just released their oh, ranking, oh, preseason I forgot. rankings. I forgot. Um, so, so, and, and the AP top 25 poll came out as we recorded. Um, oh, North Carolina's number one, by the way. Um, did they win? No, Kansas won. Who won? Kansas won, but North Carolina's okay, number one because they more things returning. Oh, yeah, I so, see. so yeah, North Carolina number one, Gonzaga two, Houston three. Kentucky four, then you got Kansas. Top Pac-12 team is UCLA at eight. The next one is Arizona at 17. Next one is Oregon at 21, which seems way too high. Um, but whatever. And you got my boys Wyoming receiving votes as well. Um, so there's your western side of the U.S. stuff. And San Diego's ranked. San Diego State's ranked. Um, so that just came out. And then Ken Palm, really quickly, I want to touch on this. I think this is the first year that CU is overrated by Ken Palm in a long time. They oh. start CU is starting the year at 61 at Ken Palm. That's not tournament territory, just to let you know. Yeah, that still seems high. I um, would see you in the 80s right now. I don't think CU is a tournament team. Where did they end last year? They, they, that's not tournament. That's like NIT era. I don't, area I don't know if CU is an NIT team. They ended last year at 79. Oh, shit. Right. So I don't know what's going on. We lost Batty and Walker and see we're at 61. Okay. Uh, projected record I, right now is 1811 huh. with 11 and 9 in conference, according to Kim Palm. Yeah, that's bubble caliber. Well, yeah. And projected defense rating right now is 37th in the country. We know what happens when Tad Boyle fills the top 50 Kim Palm defense. He goes to the tournament. Um, so we'll see if that holds. But I think it's um, a little high. Don't you feel like it's a little high? No, I, I'm just trying to think. Like, what? How are they? What's in their projections? I don't know. Like, we don't have the great continuity that we had a couple of years. Ago. I is it like Gabadon and Ethan Wright? Are they making a big difference in this? I don't know. I can't is tell there you something. Isn't that weird? We're, we we are is there thirty like, spots higher than CSU. Do you really think we're thirty? Teams better than CSU. Mm. I don't like. Hmm. Okay. Who did we lose from last year? 
Jabari Walker, Evan Batty. And Keyshawn Bartholomew. Keyshawn Bartholomew. And Elijah Parquet, who barely played. And Elijah Parquet. Is it like that? Was there the advanced stats like KJ's offensive units were that much better than Keyshawn's? Looking back at last year, our best player far and away, according to the advanced stats, was Jabari Walker. No, I, I understand that. And then KJ Simpson was second. Okay. Evan Batty Where's was third. Hammond? Keyshawn was fourth. Oh, interesting. And then we go to Silva, Clifford, Hammond, Lovering. Huh. Does it have our projected starters? I can't see it because you're no. logged into our no, shared it account. Not, it does not have projected <laughs> starters. It, isn't that crazy? That feels super high to me. I, 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 I was blown away by how they thought that. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. I'm underrating CU, but I, I do not see that for CU this year. This is not – rebuilding is not the right word. CU still going to win more than they lose, but um, CU is a year away, I think. Hmm. If Walker stayed, this would have been incredible. Tournament team. Yeah. But um, CU's a year away, especially with this how this recruiting class is looking coming up, right? CU's going to sign a top 30 recruiting class at worst, right? CU's the opportunity to sign a top 15 recruiting class if the right things go their way. Um, okay. The, oh, I see. I see it. I don't think that'll happen, but like – yeah, next year I think it's CU's year. So being sixty-one this year is uh is great. And that that Tennessee game, November thirteenth in Nashville, is going to be a huge test. Tennessee is are incredible. All, are all the Pac-12 teams a little high? Oregon twenty-nine, USC thirty-six. I don't think that's, I think that's fine. Stanford fifty-eight seems. Whoa, you're right. Utah seventy-two. Yeah. What? Yeah. Washington one thirteen. <laughs> they should be much lower. Cal one forty six. You cannot convince me to Cal the top half team in the country. All right, is that it? We go to, let's, let's not Oregon go down State two twenty eight. Sorry, I mentioned Oregon State basketball, so that means the podcast is over. Yep, that's the killed word. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I, I'm done. Cool. See ya. Buzz. Buzz.